Broadcasting live from the Bay, this is The Monstrous Feminine, the podcast where horrible humans talk about horror. My name is Zeba, and I'm joined by my parasites, Mila, Louisa, and Taya. And this is our last episode covering water eco-horror. We're talking about the 2012 American mockumentary horror, The Bay, directed by Barry Levinson. Before we get into the film, go ahead and follow us on Spotify, YouTube, or the Apple Podcasts app. You can find all of our links on our Instagram at The Monstrous Feminine Podcast. In the Bay, a small seaside town named Claridge descends into chaos after waterborne parasites appear in the drinking supply. These isopods have evolved to eat humans from the inside out due to the high volume of steroid-infused chicken excrement dumped into the bay. In a mockumentary style, the film takes us through various found footage of townspeople dying, all narrated by a surviving first-time reporter who happened to be there on the day of the 4th of July celebrations. There. This is called an isopod. Right here. It's one of the world's oldest creatures. It dates back from the Carboniferous period. Look at that. What is that? Look at that. It ate right through the fish's tongue. This is enormous. Do you think this is an anomaly? My favorite bottled water comes from the tap. Except for now, maybe not. Because I'm really scared. New York water is pretty safe, I've heard. It tastes pretty good. And I believe them, I guess. But that also doesn't like track. Like New York, nothing is good. Why would the tap water be like safe and delicious? It's a little suspicious. I feel like there's very different flavors of tap water. London water fucks my shit up. It makes my skin terrible. It makes my hair terrible. London water is really hard. Like it's, I feel like I always break out now when I go back to California because it's like, it's just like the transition is what breaks me out. It's not. It's not the quality. It's just like changing something about my external environment. So I don't know which is the truth anymore. Philadelphia has like D minus water or whatever on the rating. That's what it is in this film. It's D minus and that was bad. Listen, we're obviously anti-bottled water. We are also pro being skeptical of governments insisting that tap water is safe. Is Flint in Michigan? It is. It is in Michigan. And the water is still bad. I don't drink tap water. Um, you don't drink tap water? Do you have a filter or, or do you buy bottles of water? Oh, she's bougie. I just buy water and I recycle the bottles. Volvic. <laughs> we stay talk about Volvic. The Monstrous Feminine is on Instagram, so please go leave us a comment. If you do engage with our content, you might just get a shout out. And our next episode is our Witch of the Week. This episode or Witch of the Week is Sarah Borden who commented on our post on warm bodies and said, Love the episode. I had a partner whose main reason for working out at the gym was so he would be in shape for the zombie apocalypse, and I admire that determination. I did think the love story in warm bodies was fucked up, though, as he basically kidnapped her and lied to her to keep her captive, until she then ran away from him and he broke into her town to see her again. It also had the trope of being rewarded with an actually good-looking and good guy if they look past the ugly, like, if you're not shallow, you can fix the apocalypse. It's basically all about the male gaze and what a man wants from this woman he's only seen from afar. Very much romance from 2010s. It was undeniably funny, though. I like that summary. If you're not shallow, you can fix the apocalypse.
That's a good one-liner. She was rewarded. Everybody, humanity was rewarded for their love, you know? Thank you for sharing your thoughts. Everyone should go tell us your thoughts on Instagram right now. A beefy comment full of your opinions. We live for those. And anecdotes, you know? Would you work out just to be fit for the zombie apocalypse? Because I wouldn't. I don't want to survive it. So if anything, I would be like, yeah, great. So I don't need to work out. <laughs> I think I would. Like, I think it'd be fun. Like, if nothing else, like, it would be like a nice story. Like, what is the minus here? You just get fit. Um, that is the cotton then. My problem with fitness is that you don't just get fit. You have to, like, keep keep being fit to stay fit like if I could like get to a point where I'm fit and then that's it that's fine but the problem is like once you start it's like eternal punishment for being fit you don't just stay something when you finally reach like the highest level like after that you still have to keep committing to it like I wish it was like the sims I wish many things were like the sims friendly reminder we're also on patreon for one pound a month you gain access to our discord for three pounds a month, you get to hear a cut discussion from our main episodes. And for five pounds, you get all that, plus the opportunity to pick our themes, films, and discussion points. Please support us. Any contribution helps. Um, I thought this movie was horrifically terrifying. <laughs> and I would suggest that nobody watch it. You can listen to this episode and learn all about what happened. And not have to see it for yourself because I am not the same person I was <laughs> going into this movie that I am coming out. Um, my roommates also would like to add their note that this was also the scariest movie that they have watched with me for the pod. Um, everybody was crying, screaming, throwing up, literally. And I was never at peace from the start to the finish. I have like a weird thought on it as a horror film obviously it's in this mockumentary style and essentially like especially because a lot of it's like news footage like found footage I don't think there's any distinction between like what we're watching and the kind of media and footage we currently are absorbing but also like especially during the pandemic we were like exposed to for me like in my head I was sort of like is this the right way to tell this kind of story? Because off the back of like things we were talking about for The Twilight Zone and how that will present something like seemingly quite familiar, but then twist it and subvert it in a way that like mirrors it back to the audience so that they might like be confronted with a truth about their own reality. But like, there's no chance for that in this film. Tying this back to the fear and horror point, there's like no opportunity for you, I think, to go beyond like a sort of base level of fear. And this might this is obviously just a preference. I'm not gonna present this as something that's like, it should be what horror does. But I think great horror goes beyond base fears and digs down into like the primal, the taboo, the truly disturbing, and it gets under your skin. And obviously this film is marketed as a horror, but in many ways I'm like, it didn't feel like a horror movie. Would you feel the same watching it pre-pandemic? Like this was 2012. I feel like this wouldn't feel so like realistic maybe is even like, or like close to our reality pre-pandemic. I think if I had seen it in 2012, I would have been like, wow, I can't believe a government would do it like this, that a CDC would do it like this. Now it feels like, hell yeah, that would happen. (laughs) 
Yeah, you're right. I didn't think about. Well, obviously, I was like, it was very distressing to watch because I was like, I don't want to confront these feelings again. But um, yeah, I wonder if I'd feel the same if I watched it pre-pandemic. It just got me thinking about like what I want from a horror because I think this film was really well made. It wasn't the right kind of fear. I disagree. I agree that it's like not a stylistic like make you think about subconscious fears kind of film but I do think that it is disturbing and does get under my skin like Zepa said in this post-pandemic setting and the fact that things quite literally get under their skin but um bum I kind of disagree on that point I also wanted just to add that according to IMDB the director Barry Levinson was approached to do a documentary about the um, Chesapeake Bay But he watched another documentary about the Chesapeake Bay that talked about the pollution and like the lack of fish because apparently it's that bay is like known for being 40% dead, at least when this was being filmed. That was not a lie. And he said it was a great documentary, but no one will care about it. And so he said he would take all the facts about the Chesapeake Bay and turn it into a theatrical base piece. That's a quote from IMDb. And I was just thinking about that. And I think like, because you said it felt like real or something. And of course, the found footage horror is like supposed to be that kind of realistic style. But I think that's what made it scarier for me. The fact that it is relatively indistinguishable from like the media we consume every every day. Like what you said, Mila. I think this film was scarier to me in ways that some eco horror films haven't been because it actually felt like something possible. Maybe this is also an effect of the pandemic. Usually when you get like a CDC alert or there's some sort of like boom of infections of anything, it's under control very quickly. So seeing how like quickly COVID spread and how it became like a global thing that put the entire world on pause for years was something that I couldn't really even grasp as it was happening. Until this day, I think we're all still processing it. So watching this, I think was, I would agree that it's one of the scariest films we've had on here. Because it actually seemed like a pretty plausible cause for the isopods to exist. There is a huge problem with antibiotics and chicken in the U.S. and just in general, like how many things are injected into the meat that we eat and how many different things the FDA, I guess, has approved to be put in stuff so that we can produce so much for a large population. So it doesn't seem out of the realm of possibility. So this really freaked me out. And I'm also... um, I know where Chesapeake Bay is. Like, I'm very familiar with that area. And it's also just kind of a weird area. Like, Chesapeake Bay, like the Jamestown-y type. Virginia just has, like, a weird air to it. Well, the runoff or, like, the pollution in the Chesapeake Bay actually comes from, like, Baltimore mostly. And, like, the factories in Baltimore. And then it's so close to, like, D.C. as well that I'm like, yeah, the government would be able to cover that up very easily if something happened in Chesapeake Bay. I think they chose a great location for this mockumentary and I usually don't like found footage things but the way that it was shot felt very real obviously there was like real events that inspired it but he chose to make it a fiction film and I think it just reminded me a little bit as well how like a lot of documentary is still sensationalist and exploitative does this feel less yucky to you to like fictionalize something and not like exploit a real situation like he was he watched a documentary and was like I mean, he's not a documentarian, but he used his own. It's a weird middle ground that I think is perhaps why it didn't, it didn't quite like engage me in the way I wanted it to, which obviously is like my own expectation on the film. 
I think the only time I've really cared for like mockumentary style is in it for comedies or found footage just not like compiling different POVs whether that's like news and then somebody's digicam there's something about it that kind of like put me off and I, I haven't really figured out why I was quite intrigued by this take on the found footage genre like putting it into like a news documentary kind of style I I thought that was quite clever um, as opposed to like someone just vlogging and documenting you know also meta in the way and I think again this is kind of post-pandemic in terms of like how we report on like catastrophe and like health crises and stuff um it's difficult I think I like this film more post-pandemic in the sense that I think it packs a bigger punch by doing this sort of compilation news report kind of style of found footage and I think it's quite clever like I don't think the other found footage films that we've covered or talked about previously really have that same style to them so I, I liked that choice and I liked especially how relatable it feels and like I don't know I, it's just quite meta in in the post-pandemic real a reality environment it's bleak but I don't think he's necessarily wrong to think that no one would care about a documentary in the sense it's like hey you want to watch this documentary about the Chesapeake Bay a lot of people are just gonna be like no like also like when you want to switch off from something you're not gonna be like yeah let me watch this like hard-hitting documentary about the fish I do think no one's gonna watch a documentary about Chesapeake Bay like so I think this is a creative way to kind of comment on a lot of things, make the make somewhat of a documentary and also do it without being exploitative of the area. Because we have talked about areas being used as sites of horror in a way that feels exploitative, like Detroit. But I just feel like he's using the space in a way to comment on like the proximity it has to D.C., all the wastage that goes into Chesapeake Bay, the fact that it's not necessarily a city that is widely cared about at the same time it's not a large city so something like that happening and everyone getting away with it is within the realm of possibilities just like on the place making of it all i thought it was super interesting that it was like a a jaws like town and that like it's a vacation town meaning like the people who live there live there all throughout the year but for the most part they make all their money probably during the tourist season like spring and summertime. And I always think about those towns, like it really actually creeps me out and is a little bit spooky to think about what they're like in the winter or in the rest of the year when it's like dead, tourist season is dead, and they're like surviving off of the money that they made during the vacation months. Because like that was the same reason that the mayor in Jaws was so eager to like, fuck it, if there's a shark, we need this money. Like he knew that like, if you scare people or make people think that this isn't a safe place to visit that they're like economically fucked for the rest of the season and for the rest of the year and that was the same thought with this place all the news clips and all the mayor and everybody like doing all this like press sort of like cleanup and story spinning is like yeah no the water's safe the water's fine because if like people can't go in the water people can't be near the water if people can't go to the beach then they're fucked, right? Like, they're, he's not thinking, right, everyone in this town is going to die. If he's doing some sort of, like, cost-benefit analysis of what's going on, he's like, mm, maybe a few people will get sick if they have, like, open sores or something and they go into the water. But we can't, like, scare people and make them think that, like, this isn't a safe place to go because in that way, he's kind of being a good mayor. The shark situation, I feel like you can take a shark out. But in this, it, I think it felt like too nebulous of a there were so many factors that led to those isopods being huge like 
who could have thought that they all like converge right it's not it's like the chicken shit yes but also like nuclear runoff and also i don't know there's like a lot of things going on i think at some point they list a bunch of conspiracies on the radio and the last of which was global warming which i thought was like a really weird thing that that was like looped in with the conspiracies about like how this possibly could have happened but yeah all that shit actually no pun intended actually happens people dump whatever the fuck into the ocean and then my first thought at the end was like but it's a bay a bay is connected to the open sea like aren't these isopods just like gonna make their way out into the wide ocean i've always found those like americana summer vacation towns kind of horrific like it's really scary to think that your whole livelihood and the whole like survival of a town depends on like people wanting to boogie board at your shores like it's really kind of fucked up that it's set up that way it maybe just felt like a little bit unimaginative like it sounds harsh but it just like felt too real's kind of the wrong word because that's not what i want to say maybe is it that you like appreciate the eco horrors that like lean more into okay let's say like a creature feature because it leads into like the metaphor, the monsters, like the metaphor for like the consequences of human actions. Whereas like the literal consequences or like something that like very much can, has, or like has already happened or could happen feels like unimaginative because you're like, well, yeah, I've, I've in my anxiety, imagined that up as well. Because you mentioned the mayor and that clip when he's like, has that, has that sip of the water of that plastic cup I like watched Obama do the same thing in Flint when he was like I'm gonna have a sip right now obviously in Jaws we have this um very like over the top menacing evil all he cares about is keeping the money rolling in and like this mayor just felt more like subtly devious which I don't know if that's and maybe that's another thing I was just like I think it numbed me out rather than like engaged me or I don't know. I was just sort of like, yeah, I know all this. <laughs> We're dealing with this. I feel like in Jaws, they're really, you're right. They have more of like a cartoon villain mayor in the sense that Jaws is very much about championing. It's at that moment in history where it's championing small town America at a time when like we were getting a lot of like tech and like a capitalist boom right in the moment that Jaws came out. So like there's a purpose in the mayor being like kind of that. I feel like symbol of, you know what I mean? Like that kind of greed, corporate greed. Whereas in this film, it's a little bit different in the sense that it's said that the mayor was actually just like a guy who ran a store who decided to like run for mayor one day. Like he's not separate to the community. He was a part of the community. That's not to say that he's not irresponsible in his governance in this instant, but it is to say that I don't think there's quite that easy divide that there was in Jaws. And I... I hadn't really thought about it this way, Zeba, but I think what you said about like how like the cost like analysis and risk analysis of like, you know, shutting down like the 4th of July celebrations and like his logic for it. I didn't really think about that. But yeah, of course, seaside towns are so, so dependent on that. And like he would be equally unpopular if he had shut it down. And then there weren't like as many that like it just so happened that that was the call, right? So I guess like he's more sympathetic in his choice. And I guess he does also seem genuinely appalled by what's happening. But I guess like also in the thing, he's like, 
you can hear him say, oh, he's like downplaying it the whole time. So I guess he does go into a mode where he's like in denial. And that's like at the point where it's irresponsible, right? Is like when you don't cop to it and like take accountability and try to put like a new system in place and, and help people. I think like that point, it's like, yeah, he, he's obviously a corrupt figure. But then I also was trying to think like he was going from the governance, like the rating of the local scientist body, right? Who had rated it D minus, but it was still deemed safe to drink. So like in terms of like justifying why you're shutting down the drinking supply to like your community, I guess it would be difficult when you had like a council that said, no, we've deemed this okay. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not trying to say that he's a good person and I'm not trying to say D minus is acceptable by any means. I just mean like, I understand his political pressures more than other figures. I am not about to side with politicians. Obviously, we're watching with like a great sense of dramatic irony that we know when he drinks that water, we're like, oh, so like we know that that was the outcome. We're, we're quite jaded because, you know, we have like real life examples like Flint, Michigan, where it's like, well, we know that water is polluted. The main evil here is the irresponsible like council. You know, at the end when the CDC is talking to the council and they're like, why didn't you like raise an alert? Like you had evidence come in and blah, 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 blah. And in some way, I think that was quite accurate of like bureaucratic America of like how many things have to be reported through different people and validated by different systems before it's like the alarm bells are rung. So I guess it's like, who's culpable in this film? I think this film shows you that like so many different people are culpable at so many different stages. And if just one had like, like had a bit of foresight or like, you know, into the situation or took taking something more seriously, it could have been changed. You know what I mean? I feel like more realistic in that way, because that is how shit like slips under the rug. It's because one community can't prove it because the local council's like not backing it up or maybe they have this one evidence but like a politician has buried it because it didn't help their campaign like there's so many different things that go into why this happens and i like that the end when it's like the cdc is like why did you do that and they're like well because of this like i can't just shut down an area and like their attitude is like quite the cd's like well okay you know like they're just exasperated but they're just like okay and then the guy's like that's it and then he logs off. And I think it was like a good like show of how like a really disastrous like consequences and yet like like of that like this choice that they made. It just shows how like detached they are from like who they're killing in these like flippant decisions. I thought it was just really well done. And I think it shows that there's so many different layers into like who's culpable in this film. Those scenes where they were like, I don't know, who is she a scientist? Who is she? The French woman. The one that was just bullied the whole time by her partner. He was very xenophobic. He was like, I'm sorry, what did you say? And she's just like, like, she's speaking normally. And he's like, uh, une baguette. Like, he was just such an asshole the whole time to her. <laughs> I don't know how far apart their excursions to check on the fish were. Because, because everything was stitched together in this documentary. Like, I was under the assumption that they had been checking these fish and checking the water quality like way prior to the 4th of July incident and that like these were like you know a few weeks apart but like even still the amount of isopods that they found in those later clips in the fish is like dude there's something way fucked up that thing is full of nasty critters like it's so obvious and that like it took way too long like you're saying Louisa to sound the alarm bells like I'm even a little bit confused as to like by the time the 4th of July thing happens and those people are like eating the crabs and then like immediately start vomiting. I'm like, I feel like at that point you'd be able to crack open a crab and see some isopods before you dove into that shit. You know what I mean? Like it's a bit like inconsistent, but I'll forgive it, I guess, because it was, um, it's horrific and 
terrible and I hated to look at it. So I, good job to them. Like, I guess that would have been hard to scientifically justify like why they all started attacking at the same time and like why one day it's like the worst problem that they could have had in the community. But like for the sake of a horror plot point, yeah, I guess they kind of needed that one unified moment of chaos. Relatedly, what did you guys think of the body horror? It was gross. It was awful. It was like, it was like they got every of the worst things. Like they didn't, they left nothing out, right? They had things coming from the inside, things coming from the outside. There was blood, there was pus, there was vomit. There was every liquid creepy crawling under the skin. There were eyeball things and fingernail things and gastrointestinal things. It was a nightmare. And part of the worst parts for me were the scenes in the hospital. I think the doctor did make the best decision to just record himself and record everything and like for the sake of humanity to have that on the record for future people because when he was on the phone and like the cdc is like hey bro i think you should just get out of there i there's no hope for you and you might even they blocked off the bridge that was the other horrific thing about this town is it seemed to be connected by only one bridge so they were easily cut off from the rest of the world so he couldn't have even left the town if he wanted to but i don't know if they knew that but when he's like bro i am doing amputations you're not understanding the severity of the situation and i think the guy like knew it was severe but i don't think he really understood and also that girl recording everything with her phone or she's on facetime or whatever and she's like i think there's dead bodies up there i i suspect that they have left or like the the staff has left i haven't seen a doctor for hours and there's just like people like laid out on the floor horrific that like it, it was like stress beyond and like obviously there are hospitals like that in the world like things like that happen and I think that like I try to avoid that kind of content in the news like yes I know they publish those pictures but like I'm not going to look at them and so I think like really sitting with I think the POV is what was the most terrifying point of it for me because like I sit around and I watch the news and I'm like damn imagine living through that but I then stop myself from imagining, right? Because, like, I don't need to, like, traumatize myself in that way. I think this, like, forced you to be in, like, in that crisis situation on the ground in a way that, like, I would rather not think about. Especially from that doctor's perspective. Like, bro, he, he like, cannot sit with not helping these people. And it's, he cannot help them, right? Like, that is what the people are saying. That, like, it's too late. You cannot help them. So you need to figure your shit out. They didn't even like give him advice about like, you should record or you should like he came up with that on his own and like resigned himself to death. And I think that like, I don't know, it was just beyond the body horror. Like I always say the idea of like societal collapse is like the thing that will always fuck me up. And so it was like, having to look at the bodies and also having to like sit with the reality of the situation when you combine those things it was certainly worse than the fly because that was just one dude <laughs> and i was like that one dude will certainly die and then i can sleep at night i agree i think this film like kind of what you're touching on does characterization really well ironically in that kind of less is more style i think that we talk about like horror is not really characterizing people very well but I think in this this really gets it I mean you don't really know who they are in the sense of like whatever but I mean 
I think even having like that shot of Stephanie, she's like, oh, you know, she's a lawyer now, but she's from this town and she's visiting her parents. Like, I think just that one line and then her reaction thereafter and her panic as opposed to his panic is like, or his like toned down panic. You know, I'm quite invested in her. I think the little girl on FaceTime talking to her friend all day and be like, I just don't want to be alone. And like, even though I'm like, what iPhone are you on? Because that battery like is unrealistic. You're on FaceTime all day. However, whatever, I'll let that slide. I do think like having that shot like throughout like spliced and like how things are progressing throughout the day. And then the end shot, we are in the doctor's point of view and you can see that she's died by that point. I think like that was all very powerful. Also a credit to all the actors. I think everyone did a great job. It's really difficult to act in that kind of not necessarily realistic, but like unpolished style that makes you appear like, you know, you're watching somebody's home movie. I think it's I think it's really difficult to pull that off. I honestly didn't ever have a moment where I thought, oh, that delivery was a bit cringe. Like you kind of often do in these kind of movies. Going back to what Xavier said, like about the hospital scene, it maybe like explains more like my, I guess, hesitation to <laughs> embrace this movie is like the hospital scene, the the like dash cam with that police officer. All of these images are really really prevalent not just at the moment they have been for a while and I think maybe going back to what you said about like do you prefer horror that's like channels everything through a metaphor through a creature through something out of this world and I think that's pretty much it and it's the same with like anything I prefer movies books it's like very rarely something contemporary yeah you want escapism but like escapism that the metaphors there but you have to like dig for it a little bit. You do not want to watch a reality horror. Like sci-fi, fantasy, horror, like all of these things, their base theme often is something about the human condition or about society. So it's not like things that are completely outside of our this world and our reality. It's more just like maybe I can like receive things better through like, I don't know, do you know what I mean? Like a different lens. I think you vibe with this movie too hard and you're like, absolutely not. The only thing I was feeling was like that fight or flight, which I think is not always my experience watching horror. Like often I think there's a, a like complexity to how I'm absorbing horror. And I didn't get that with this film, not because it's not complex and not because it didn't raise very interesting, like nuanced questions, but just maybe the way it's styled to me, it just like... Ugh. It's not speaking my language. Not because it's bad and not because it like failed in its intention. It, I think I just have issues. In the same way that Creed talks about Alien and the chest burster scene, all about in- interrupting the symbolic order and like of a family and like the father, the mother, and it's all like confusing that element of the family dynamic. So I guess it is kind of echoing that. I mean, it's happening to to both genders, so it's not as obvious, but I agree in that one scene is a little bit like everyone is host yet. It's not not concerned with your genitalia. Not like the governments are as of late. Can you believe this shit? I think in a way, there's an argument to be made about eco-horror generally representing the mon femme if we're talking about like that kind of Mother Earth situation, like archaic mother vibes. I think in the way that like archaic mother is like an absent figure and what we see represented of her are her like toothy, vengeful offspring. And that's kind of what Creed describes in The Monsters Feminine, which is like, and it's all very like Freudian symbolic. 
I think in this film and like in much eco horror, you do have like that toothy creature and stuff. And it does seem like Mother Earth's revenge for like the disrespect against her, right? It, all of these films are about like humanity's disrespectful actions. And in this case, the sole source of the the conflict or the, you know, the wrongdoing was like the steroids and the the farming and the overfeeding chickens and, and, and that catastrophe. So I think like in that way, I would argue that like all eco horror is quite mon femme innately. Just if there is like a kind of toothy killer thing consequence, I think that feels mon femme in that way. Thank you for listening to The Monstrous Feminine. Be sure to follow us on Instagram, SoundCloud and Spotify at The Monstrous Feminine Podcast and on Twitter at The Mon Femme Pod. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and follow us on TikTok at The Monstrous Feminine Pod for podcast clips and more fun. Brooms up, witches out. <laughs>